patience is the key. It is. Change is going to happen. And how we respond to that change is on us. It's not on the other person. So you wonder why your priests sometimes put up a bigger wall? Mm-hmm. Why they become more distant? Mm-hmm. It's because you're pushing. Mm-hmm. You're not patient. Right. Welcome back to the Deacon's Den. I'm Deacon Dave, your host, and we're delighted to return to the corner booth. Today, we have a little more elbow room than we have in the last few episodes, as Deacon Joe and I have reserved our favorite booth for a one-on-one conversation about an issue that has been on both our hearts and minds for some time. So welcome back, Deacon Joe. I hope you appreciate your chance to spread out a little more this time. Love it. Love it. Yeah, if only we could get faster bar service, I'd be even happier. You know, Joe, when we speak of the diaconate, as a standard, we talk about the threefold service of deacon, that we are called to perform ministries of word, liturgy, and charity. And while that certainly describes the official ministry of the deacon, there's one more ministry that I believe is equally important, one that deacons are called to perform daily in service to the church. And quite frankly, I'm not sure the best term for it, but I've most frequently referred to it as either being a bridge builder, or sometimes I call it a healer of hurts. And before we dive any deeper, let me ask your thoughts. Is there a clear way that you like to describe this important role? Well, this formal, former CB really likes that bridge builder of course concept. <laughs> I mean, but let's face it. But really, I, I like to call it that we are builders of relationships. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, everything we do, it's about relationships. Mm-hmm. It's about re- relationship with our God. It's relationship with another. It's relationship between groups, ministries. So stay tuned for the next episode on (laughs) the builder of relationships. Um, No, that's great. I think that's a great way to put it because you're right. If we're trying to lead people to a deeper relationship with God and, you know, as the two most important commandments say, right, love of God and love of neighbor. Amen. um, What a great framework to understand that. So so I like that. So builder of relationships. I'll try to remember that as we go through the episode. And you can always correct me when I go off track here. (laughs) Whatever we call it, the role is clearly important, and in many ways, it is pervasive through all the aspects of diaconal service. So in order to provide a little more structure to our discussion today and to hopefully prevent this episode from requiring commercial <laughs> breaks or, or a halftime show, although if we could get a good halftime show, I'd be, I'd be very excited about that. But let's see if I can organize sort of three categories that I feel the deacon fulfills as critical ministry. Uh, the first would be within the parish and the relationship specific to the parish staff, perhaps, or, or the, the directly with the parishioners. Secondly, with the broader community, because we do not act in a, in a vacuum or in isolation. The outside world, certainly, we connect with. And then finally, in the context of the universal Catholic Church, because I think you know, both of us throughout our career as deacons and, and anyone listening to this probably understands there has been an ongoing issue with necessary healing in the Catholic Church. So those are three pretty big buckets could take us. <laughs> and a, how long do we have? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so here's the promise. Just in case we run out of time today, we will continue this with a part two of the episode. Let's let's plan that right from the beginning. And we're going to look to our amazing producer, editor, technician, goddess of the podcast, podcast, Catherine, uh, to, uh, to, the to keep uh, the podcast, Catherine. 
So, so Gathard, you're on the hook today, okay? Oh, thanks. So, I appreciate it. So, uh, if, if we start to, to go a little too long, please protect our listeners by keeping us uh, moving, and then we'll we'll come back. Okay. So, we got a team at teamwork uh, uh, plan. And by the way, could you bring us a drink? Oh. <laughs> what would you like? Hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, don't spill on the mics. Okay, so <laughs> I'm a clock somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and we're in Florida, so hey. Okay, let's get started. Uh, trying to stay focused uh, after that conversation. So let's start closest to home. Uh, the critical role that the deacon plays in this regard, in the place, the parish in which he is assigned. So Joe, if you could start us off, give us a couple examples just of the types of places where the deacon is called to build bridges or heal hurts, to, to be that builder of relationships. And we'll talk about how we're going to solve it, you know, or how we might approach it, but just create some scenarios for us where this becomes important. This time of year is probably the most obvious one for those in the church because we're going into transitions where priests in June and July are often being reassigned. So now we have the beloved pastor, sometimes who had been there for 10, 15 years, even longer, are stepping away mm -hmm. or they've been there for 25 30 years and are retiring right, right and therefore all some of us growing up in the church know is that one pastor for the past 30 years and now we've got to accept a new priest coming in and that's that's a real loss it's almost like a death right it you is know, death well, in the family. even mm -hmm. even the it, the simple transition of they've been here for six years we've got to know who this priest is we've probably engaged in his personal life we've created a relationship that is now going different directions mm -hmm. and there's there's a lot of hurt I, I was thinking as you were talking one of the parishes i've been at they went through a transition, a rapid transition right. of parochial uh, associates as mm -hmm. well as pastors. And there's real hurt because they felt, well, no one cares about us. There's yeah. no continuity. You're just taking our priests away. Uh, any other scenarios that you can think of? I think the other scenarios really branch into the other areas. So, that, you know, as as a new deacons come on, as as we try to engage the different groups in ministry mm -hmm. where, you know, even ministers who have been there forever. I mean, you look at COVID. Mm -hmm. So we've had all ministers that have been basically spending their lifetime in the church doing particular ministries who have aged and they knew their time was coming. But COVID kind of put that in a place mm -hmm. that said, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm ready to come back or I don't know if I can come back. Right. So now there's a huge void of skilled ministers to take care of liturgy, some of the marriage prep, I mean, just, just a laundry list of ministries that are going to be hurting mm -hmm. for new blood. Mm -hmm. So when this happens, how have you seen it play out? I mean, you know, we talked a, a moment ago about when priests change or there's any s staff change, uh, but let's start with the priests and the pastors. We see sometimes uh, the blame game comes in right away, right? Someone right. has done this to us and we have to get over that. We understand that. And we'll talk about that. Um, do you see it play out in any other way? Um, I mean, one of the things that I've seen uh, that comes to mind is you sort of get a division that forms in the parish. So it's faithful to the old pastor. Right. Uh, especially if it was a founding pastor or just a beloved pastor. And this, this poor pastor, this poor new priest comes in and he doesn't have a chance, right? Because he's, he's competing not just against a person who's not there anymore, but that beloved memory of a person. Right. And so you start to get these little factions within a parish. I know I've, I've had this happen in multiple parishes where there's, you know, team Pastor A and team Pastor B or 
and sometimes with deacons, team deacon A and team deacon yeah. B. Talk more about that. Have you had similar experiences? A lot of the experiences that I've had with parishioners, and you know, I've, I've, I've been blessed enough to be able to step back and say, okay, change is normal. Mm -hmm. We know it's going to happen every so often that new priests are going to come in. You know, I've been able to sit back and you really watch the dynamics of a parish. It usually takes them six months to develop the relationship, to get to know the new pastor. Are they saying negative things and frustration out of frustration? Yes. But if we're patient enough, it usually corrects itself unless you get one of those pastors that are priests that are just hard to develop relationships with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that can be that can be especially difficult for an introverted pastor. You know, we, and we know that of any leader. You right. have a gregarious, outgoing guy, remembers everybody's names. The next guy comes in, he's a little more introverted, he doesn't right. form relationships as easily, and suddenly, oh, father hates me. Right. Yeah, and he gets yeah. wore out. You mm -hmm. know, just doing mass wears the introverted priest out. Mm -hmm. So all that greeting and stuff, and they want to go home and sleep. Yeah, so they don't exactly. want to go to every ministerial act that mm -hmm. all of us as parishioners want him to be at to at least show his face at. Right. I think that defines the problem really well. What approaches, you've mentioned one already, which I like, reminding people that, you know, change is hard. It takes time. You know, the old joke, you know, we, we both have a background in organizational development, and I mm -hmm. always would joke about the only one that likes change is a baby with a dirty diaper. <laughs> and even they cry while you're doing it. So no one likes change. But what approaches have you found as a deacon in those situations that can work best for you when you encounter these situations and you hear these things from the parishioners or from the staff? I like to take it from the place of developing a relationship with the priest first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Because really, he's the one that's at the disadvantage. Hmm. Oftentimes, the deacons have been there, and they're the stable force. They've become beloved themselves. Mm -hmm. And so they become the sounding board for the parishioners. But I think the relationship that has to be built, and, and what I try to focus on, is being present to the new priest, mm -hmm. whoever it is. It's my job to learn his style. Mm -hmm. So that even, even to the simplicity of where does he place the book the chalice, the patent <laughs> yeah. on, on the, the altar. altar. Right. I, mm -hmm. I mean, if I can support him there and he feels comfortable with me being there and feeling the presence mm -hmm. and supported, mm -hmm. then we can develop a relationship over time that way. Yeah, I think you hit a couple really important points in just that one statement. Um, number one, the starting point of creating the relationship with the pastor or the new priest that comes in. He is the outsider, right? He's the guy who doesn't have any relationships. Uh, he's alone. He's on an island, right? And he needs to to try to make connections. And if he feels, you know, no one wants to make the connection, that's, if he can't do it with the clergy, who else? Right. right. That's a good point. You know, I, you know, when when I served as an active duty advisor to commanding officers, and it's it's like better hear from me, Captain, mm -hmm. than hear the grumblings of the troops. Right. right. Better to hear from the deacon pastor mm -hmm. than hear it from the angry parishioners whom you replace their beloved pastor. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest challenges, you know, and true confessions here, but that I've had to guard myself against in those moments is taking sides, right? Exactly. Because maybe my heart is broken too. Maybe as a deacon, I'm sad that the priest has left, you know, because we form those bonds, right? It's Every, grief. It's normal right, grief process. Right. And so part of me wants to sometimes go back and say, you know, what a, a parishioner complains to me and says, why'd they take Father Smith away? 
internally maybe yeah that that stinks right uh right. i hate that too because because i'm hurting yeah this new guy he just doesn't understand us or you know i can i can reflect all of those feelings that the parish is feeling that's the worst thing for me to do the absolute worst thing for me to do and instead i have to be that balance point for yeah. the for the parish exactly. mm-hmm. you have to be the bridge the bridge which oh, right, they can right. be coming across right and you might get walked on and trampled on and stomped on <laughs> because, you know, for me, it's like, I don't want to get in the middle of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be in the middle of it, but I'm going to guide you. It's like, if you really have this heart thing that you need the pastor to understand, better to come from you than from a third party. Better to come from you than going to your ministerial group and rallying up the troops to mm-hmm. be against, to maintain what always has been, you know, why we do this? Because we've always done it. Mm-hmm. And you have a new pastor, sometimes a very young pastor who has visions that may lead us to connectedness and growing the church mm-hmm. and bringing the youth back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, um, you know, I was thinking about it. It's like, well, why do we do, you know, why do I do that? I, I can't project on anyone else, although I think my experience is common. We all want to be loved, right? Yeah. And so I want to be the beloved deacon. And when someone comes to me and complains, I don't want to, I don't want to push back at all. I don't want to help redirect them at all. I don't want. I just want to sidle up next to them. And say, oh yeah, I know how you understand. You know yeah. this new this new priest, this new pastor. Yeah. Don't worry. Well, we'll mold him. We'll, yeah. we'll break him. Right. And instead, and and what a wrong-headed approach that would be for me or for any deacon to take. Right. But instead to say, look, you just said something very important. Someone new comes in and they're bringing new energy, new charisms, new visions right. that will help us grow as a parish and not keep treading water. You know, I, I always I kind of look at it in the little phrase that I kind of jotted down for, to jot me is be present, but not pushy. We become right. pushy mm-hmm. when we say, but this is the way we've always done right. it. Right, right. We won't go have the conversation and say, help me understand. Mm-hmm. You know, you think mm-hmm. about Jesus. He always asked the question right. to his opponents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was always a question. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're going from a standpoint of help me understand why, mm-hmm. you know, I understand what the book says. I understand what we've always done. Mm-hmm. But you seem to have a different twist on it. Mm-hmm. Help me understand it. Mm-hmm. Let's go have a cup of coffee <laughs> and talk about it. Hopefully they like coffee. That would be the only thing I wouldn't understand or accept. Yeah. Yeah. No. Sorry. Uh, all priests out there, if you don't like coffee, forget it. I'm not. No, 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 do, no, no, no. I also do beer, water. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Pick your favorite beverage. I am there. Come to the Deacon's Den. Um, we, we will serve you. Have you had those experiences, though, that, you know, everything you're saying sounds rational? I buy it. Building relationships, you know, uh, theoretically. We started that way, the conversation, yeah, building relationships with God, building relationships with each other. We all get it. All good Christians will hear that. And then you get yourself uh, into these circumstances where people just won't let go. You know, and, and I've had that happen. I've right. I've had people say, you know, that's the last priest change I'm going to put up with. A person will come to me and I'm not giving any more money to this parish and I'm going to leave the parish because, you know, wh- whatever the situation is, or I don't like this new program that fathers implemented. Okay, you can make the decision not to like a program. I'm fine with that. But have you ever had the experiences when no matter what you did, you couldn't help people walk across the bridge? 
I think that's more normal than anything else. You know, the first thing that came to my mind is love is patient, love is kind. It bears all things, it believes all things, and it hopes in all things. That you it should endures you, all. You things. should write that down, Joe. That's beautiful. <laughs> I think I've you heard it before, but yeah. yeah, I mean, we 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 say that at marriage, mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. weddings. You know, mm-hmm. you love each other now, mm-hmm. but something's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. You're gonna find out who that other person is for real, right? If not their family members. <laughs> <laughs> what that happens to you, Joe? No, no, never happens. But it, it's it's yeah. one of those things yeah. that patience is the key. It is. It is. Change is going to happen, and how we respond to that change is on us. It's not on the other person. Right, because we can't change some. We can't change their feelings. Right. We can't even change their opinions. They have to make a choice to change to be more accepting. We can just sh- show them a path. And and right. even if we think about how others have tried to change us, mm-hmm. we put up a bigger wall. Right. So you wonder why your priests sometimes put up a bigger wall? Mm-hmm. Why they become more distance? Mm-hmm. It's because you're pushing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not patient. Right. Building the bridge. Right. Not uh, constructing a wall. Uh, that's That's got to be the key. That's right. got to be the key. We're trying to break down walls. Right. That's what relationship building is, mm-hmm. is breaking down walls. Mm-hmm. Jesus did a little bit of that, too, didn't he? Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> and they didn't like it. Exactly. It's threatening. They didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And as a society, we're, we're all about walls. Yeah. Whether they're around our neighborhood, mm-hmm. whether it's around our country. Mm-hmm. We're going to get it. It's never stopped anything. Yeah, that's true. I want to widen the sphere a little bit here. This all still impacts our parishioners, impacts the people. But now I want to take it outside of the realm of just what I'll call parish parish politics, you know, who's uh, who's in control, who's in power. And, and that, you know, again, when we're talking about parish politics, it goes trickles down right from the pastor through the staff to volunteers. And, and, and that's what we've been talking about for this first section. That's trickle down economics. Trickle, <laughs> trickle down power, you know. So let's find this for a little bit to talk about the other the other set of issues that really do cause woundedness uh, within a parish. And that is the real lives that we live outside of the parish uh, boundaries. There is no question these days, and it's not just in our country. I, I don't want to pick on our country. Our country reflects what's going on everywhere in the world. And I have friends in other countries that tell me the same thing. But there is a rancorous division in our society these days, Mm. especially on the political front. Uh, Well-meaning Catholics acting in what they believe is good faith can reach diametrically opposite conclusions. That's tough, okay? And and we hear it every day. So this is just real life now, where we're not just, we're not just how we, how we say mass, what programs we run. This is Catholics who are trying to live their life and they don't understand how other people in their parishes can support a position, a candidate, whatever. And it goes both ways. This is, this is not taking one side or the other. People point at each other all the time, okay? What role can, can and should a deacon play in those moments of community division? And this is a lot more touchy. You know, it, it, it's always amazed me, looking probably back over the last 12 years, how evenly split our communities can be, both secular and in the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a mirror reflection. Right. And so, you know, we, we talked about love, kindness, patience, and enduring. It's something that uh, Pope Francis put out in Fratelli Tutti mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I've used in the homilies before uh, was beautiful. And, and it basically goes... 
approaching, speaking, listening, looking at, coming to know and understand one another, and to find a common ground, all these things are summed up in one word, dialogue. Exactly. We're too often not willing to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Or, or we talk at each other, right? We, we do talk at yeah, each other. That's sure, the contrast. You've got to hear what I'm saying, Joe. I yes. don't need to hear what you're saying. You've got to hear me. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. Is it's you know can we put ourselves you know when we talk about patience? For me, uh, one of the definitions I read about patience is the willingness to suffer. Mm-hmm. So not to say I'm suffering every time I'm trying to list to somebody else's point of view, but I got to put myself on the shelf for a little bit to hear if there's something in there that makes sense, and maybe it is my problem and not everybody else's problem. Mm-hmm. Can I have right. that dialogue? Yeah. Uh, what that brought to mind as you were talking was uh, Ignatius of Loyola, you know, one of my favorite saints, of course. But he talked about always assuming the best intent of the other. Yes. You know, we watch a behavior, we hear someone say something, and immediately we attribute motives to it. And, mm-hmm. and they're always wrong and bad and evil. Instead of saying, let's assume that the other truly is trying to reflect a life in Christ, truly is trying to draw us closer to God. And that's exactly where you started this conversation. Good, faithful Catholics mm-hmm. trying to live a faithful life. And they end up on completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Right, right. And, and I think so the call to the deacon uh, in that for me is, is again, not to take sides, not right. to land on one side or the other. That's not going to help anyone. Right. Um, but instead to bring people back to the gospel message, not right. the party platform. Right. Not the, the current position on an issue, which are always imperfect. They're creations of, of man, not God. And yet the, the gospel message is the touchstone. It's it's the living word. Right. right. It's loving. It's loving. Even your enemies. Right. Yeah. Uh, perish the thought of that happening. <laughs> um, I, I want to touch on something very quickly. It's amazing how fast this episode is going because Catherine has started to throw things at me already. Um <laughs> She's laughing. Folks, she really is throwing things at me, just so you know. But, you know, in the 21st century, all of these conversations play out on social media. And and deacons and priests are on social media just as well. Bishops. And bishops. Um, you know, I, I'm sure this combat will not make it, probably make people on both sides unhappy. But... What should be the role of a deacon? I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to tell bishops what to do or priests what to do. I'm going to talk about deacons. That that's our our brothers in orders. What needs to be our position on social media? Is it is it to continue to to beat the drum on one side or? It's definitely not to beat a drum, unless the drum is the gospel message. You know, it's interesting. You know, as I as I post, you know, I've, I've become to the point where. My, my, I try to put positive messages mm-hmm. out right. there. And it's interesting how both camps love those messages mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they think I'm talking to them. In reality, I am. But again, it's motivation. You know, why, why am I listening to say amen and I can continue on pushing people away because they're sinners or amen. I should be drawing these people in because sinners, you, you never know how many sinners are really in heaven. <laughs> right. People that we've decided are sinners. That's certainly about my pay grade. Mm-hmm. But you have to be that consistent, constant, good news mm-hmm. messenger. Mm-hmm. 
you know, too many deacons have decided that I ain't even getting in that game. Mm -hmm. But how do you stay aware of what's going on out there? And and I think it's both. And you've you painted one extreme. I'm not getting in that game. The others that that want to continue to make very strong, um, you know, dogmatic, for want of a better word, statements. Uh, But again, not listening, not loving, not returning to the core of the gospel, which you said a few minutes ago. Sometimes going backwards. You know, I'm I'm watching Facebook this morning and I'm seeing some of the posts. They're they're posting the pictures from the Baltimore Catechism. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, let's not go backwards. Mm -hmm. Let's stay in the present. Right. Returning to the phrase that you used at the beginning here, uh, the bridge... Uh, bridge builder of relationships, you know, mm-hmm. building the bridge to relationships. Uh, that's really at the core of all of this. And it's challenging to us because we all want to be heard. You know, for, uh, right. St. Francis's uh, prayer of to seek first uh, not to be understood, but to understand. And right. I think too often, you know, all of us, we want to be understood. We want to be heard. We, we, we get that. But a deacon has a responsibility beyond that. Right. To be an to be authentic listener. Absolutely. An authentic listener. And then again, it, it, it means that some of the stuff that, you know, I might buy into some of the negativity, but it can't be, we can't be that person. Yeah. The other key is when we listen, it is not about just saying that everybody's right. It's not saying that every position expressed is right, but we need to walk with those people. We need exactly. to build the relationship or help them. Again, it's not about building a relationship with us. That would, that would be the, the most self-centric uh, incorrect direction right. to help them build the deeper relationship with God with through God. Jesus Christ so that they can more authentically live the gospel and their hearts will be transformed. Right. And it's not us to beat them over the head and tell them they're wrong or evil or going to hell or whatever we want to say to simply, as Jesus did, invite them into a and deeper relationship. Invite them to walk with us. Wow. We spent a lot of time here today and this has been good and there's a whole big section we haven't gotten to which is uh, the greater healing in, you know, in the universal church. We know there's uh, a lot of brokenness still, a lot of pain uh, that needs to be healed. You know, I, I look back on my entire career as a deacon. I'm coming up on 19 years now. It was at the beginning of 2002 that um, the abuse crisis first started to make national mm-hmm. headlines. So this has been the issue the entire time I've been a deacon. And it's not going to go away anytime soon. I know there are some people that would like it to go away. Can we just turn the page? Can we just stop talking about it? We can't stop talking about it as long as there is still hurt and brokenness in the church. That's just denial. And we're not in the denial business. We can't be. So when we gather again, and we'll do a part two, I guess, of this episode now. So stay tuned because now you know what our next episode is going to be about. (laughs) But I'd like us to dive into that and and really um, discuss it more deeply. What role can we play? And I know you and I had an experience a little over a year ago uh, that we can draw on as well. So this was a great conversation today, Joe. Uh, I guess we should keep guests out more. No, no, no. No, We love our guests, and we will certainly be inviting more in. But this allowed us, I think, to really just get deep into a conversation. So again, as I said, we've covered uh, a lot of ground in the episode. And the key really is, as Joe said, building bridges uh, to relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And no matter how it's done, we both agree, I think, that this becomes a critical role that we play as deacons in partnership with our pastor and with other ministers of the parish to which we are assigned. And this role is actually a natural extension of those official ministries of word, liturgy, and charity as we strive to bring the gospel and sacraments 
to life in our everyday encounters with the people of God. Well, sadly, we've reached closing time at the Deacon's Den, but we're glad you dropped by. So come back on in when you hunger for hearty discussions on the diaconate and Catholic conversation. Until we meet again, I pray you walk closely with God on life's journey. And when you feel the urge to visit the Deacon's Den, remember, there's always a corner booth reserved just for you.